0: Distinguished Adventurers, welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am not giving a previously on Distinguished Adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks like I normally do because this is our annual year-end special. We've been around long enough Ooh, that we've had multiple yeah, annual things. Yeah. Year-end so, special. Yeah, year-end special. So uh, I am here with the entire crew. We're going to do something that we actually normally do just for our Patreon patrons, which is something uh, we call Drinks with the DM, which sometimes is just me, but often is the rest of the cast and where we chat for a little bit, chat about things that are happening, talk about our drinks and answer questions from our Patreon patrons. But this one, because it is the end of the year special, we will go ahead and we have questions from the general awesome fan people who love to listen to us as we do d d things. I have hot chocolate. I don't even have anything in it because my wonderful husband and his wonderful sister, my sister in law, sent us a giant box of Lando Lakes hot chocolate, the packets to put into mugs. So that is what I have, is just it. And this one is the mint hot chocolate. Yeah, it's in my my and Portal mug, and I love it so much, and it's nice and warm. And I have probably had a little too much hot chocolate in the last couple of days slash week or two because no such thing. even before. No such thing. Listen, no such thing. As, as a forty three year old woman who is trying to watch my weight and my my sugar, I'm writing that line. I really am. However, it has been between that and the fa. It's been helping my, my soul and my mental state, and it's been lovely. So that is what I have, this giant thing of hot chocolate. Who who wants to talk about their drinks next? I usually call them people, but... I have a very good drink. All right, then Jules, what are you drinking?
1: Okay, I have Whitewater Brewing Company from the beautiful Ottawa Valley in Ontario, peanut butter stout shake so it's a peanut butter Ooh. shake stout Ooh. so i am very very excited like wow. all this and i was like mm, that i it's, as you guys probably can tell i i am a seasonally inclined person i am not the kind of person who likes things outside of their season i don't like things to drag on too long i like to the fact that something only occurs or only happens at certain times of the year i think makes it special like yeah I only make fudge at Christmas. I don't want to eat sugary treats all day long because they lose their treat aspect. So in the wintertime, I like very rich, dark beers. I don't want to drink them in the summertime. I want to drink sour beers. And I would lose my taste for sour beers if I drank them all year long. So stouts and porters. Oh, God. It just, I like, it's not even near my nose. It smells so good. (laughs) See if I can pour this. Do a good job pouring in my wonderful mug sorry this is not very good content
0: <laughs> no no that's okay because I'm, I'm gonna fill up this time while you're enjoying a good pour and a good sniff and a first taste i'm gonna say on my other screen right now the uh, the thing i failed to mention in my opening statement was i happen to have some very nice art here from the amazing randall hampton who uh, was commissioned to draw all of your characters and yeah. so i'm looking Yo, at badass. you on one screen and and your alter egos on the other and i'm so glad that you liked it but tell me about your 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 stout porter peanut butter it's joy it got
1: wonderful like care i i never talk about notes i'm like it smells like a brewery and that's great no i can smell like caramelly things in here and peanut buttery and mm. it
2: brings me joy watching you use that cup every week
1: brings me joy drinking
0: from it this is the last time we were all together
2: mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, we will be again one day.
0: I I have it prominently displayed on my shelf, and I should just put it in the damn kitchen, which means I won't be able to look at it all week. But it means I will grab it when I'm making my drink.
1: I will tell you a secret: our kitchen cabinets are not really optimized. Like one day we will save up and redo the kitchen. Like the floors in our house are about 100 years old, to give you an idea. We have this little cute sideboard, so because this is not a traditional cup or mug it actually has a special (laughs) place in our like it like lives next to my seasonal glassware so it's got like a place of honor
0: no mine does too it just happens to not be in the same room as the kitchen which means i am not good at using it but i keep turning to the right because i just i see it right there right right next to the the dice box that you got for all of us and the yeah but, but this is not about the mugs. This is about my friends. Uh, so we heard about the, the peanut butter stout. Jack, why don't you go next? What are
3: you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Jack's choice this evening is Aloe Crisp. It is an aloe vera juice drink. It consists of aloe vera, Fuji apple, and pear. It says this body does, this. Oh, sorry, this liquid does your body a solid. Hope that's not foreshadowing. I haven't had this before. My wife liked it, but let's see how I, what I think of it.
0: I'm concerned about several of the things that you just
3: said, but let's see. Pulpy. Actually, very refreshing. Light. It actually says crisp on there, and it does taste very crisp. I like this. Mm. You have to chew it a little bit, though, the little pieces of pulp that are in there. But oh, that's I don't know if I I'm used to that. that. No. I,
0: I don't mind the chewiness. Uh, what's the aloe vera taste like? I, that doesn't. Everything else kind of sounded appealing except for that. I don't know if it's a taste so much as
3: a texture. It's smooth, a little bit oily. Not too, though. It's a very clean taste. taste. Yeah. I mainly taste the apple and the pear more than anything else. So I thought, of all the flavors they have, I figured the apple Travancore on brand. And I really like this. I'm going to go in again. Here we go.
0: Well, while you go in again, we will move on to John. What are you drinking?
2: John here, Carlton. uh, And I have some Louisburg apple cider. Uh, And because it is wintertime, I figured it was a good uh, end of the year drink. And I would have had it hot, except I forgot. (laughs) <laughs> I was like well, oh, crap. we're recording I need a yeah. drink.
0: We are we are recording this right before some of us go on uh, air quotes holiday, but I think as anyone knows, you either work for a company and where going on holiday means you're doing two weeks worth of work before you leave while you're also doing your work or if you're a freelancer you don't get a holiday. And so I I think we're all looking forward to the time off, but like that lead up, jeez, it's a brutal. And I'm in
2: the I'm in the boat where it's both.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am not in the. I'm not both this year. Then yes, I know I say both like an ass. Jonathan, what are you drinking?
4: This is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. Muscular tonight. I have not exactly a new cocktail. I think I've had this on the show before. It is a mango truly uh, seltzer. But it has a shot of vodka in it. Ooh. So nice. uh I my clan is running uh uh the Deepstone Crypt raid after this uh in Destiny 2. And uh if if we have our A team together, then I don't have to do any of the hard jobs, so bottoms up. Yeah. <laughs> I I've I've gotten the opportunity to lead a few teams on a few different raids, and on those nights I have coffee because I don't want to be Mr. Falling down on my on my job, but uh, it was cool. Last week we managed to get uh, three people an exotic from the Garden of the Garden of Salvation raid, which you have to do a bunch of stuff outside of the raid, then you have to go into the raid and do a bunch of other stuff, and then you have to actually finish the raid in order to get this exotic uh, weapon. Mm. Uh, it it's nice in that there is a path to guaranteeing you getting it, but. You have to have a team that can help you get it. And I was lucky enough to wear my, when I got this weapon, Divinity, by the way, my team was extremely adept and our run didn't take much longer than a normal uh, Garden of Salvation run. You're looking at about an hour. Our, our Divinity run was like 90 minutes. Uh, and my Divinity run was about four hours, mm. but, uh, but my team stuck with it. And I am super proud of them. So, Justin, Jacob, a.k.a. Donut, and Izzy, I'm really glad that you guys have your divinities now. And believe me, it makes things so much easier later on.
0: Well, and I know you don't necessarily have a fireball shot because we're not playing a game. However, I know you do have a shout-out to... I uh, do. Yeah. We
4: have some friends. They are extremely wonderful people. And I had uh, one of them, uh, Chris, a.k.a. uh, Sir Narvi ask me what my address was, wanted me to confirm for him. So I'm like, all right, well, it's this. And then he's like, hey, you're going to be getting something. It's going to have my name on it. It's for you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and when it arrived, uh, my wife was like, so we got something. It's got our address in it. But who's Chris
0: McDowell? <laughs> He's just one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet, that's all.
4: Extremely large, extremely wonderful, you know, the epitome of the gentle giant. He is,
0: isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So
4: I open it up, and I get this wonderful t-shirt, which I'm going to show on camera here, what you guys can't see. Yeah, if you were paying attention to social media on, uh, on December the 17th, my Twitter, or my Insta, you saw the Swobold t-shirt from Cobalt Press, which they got for me. I really do appreciate it. It's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mary, aka Siller Tweak. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you.
0: And you look awesome in it.
4: The t-shirt looks great. I looked like trash when I got it. Uh, I had to, I promised that before I took any pictures, I would, you know, shave up and give myself a haircut. So, I looked <laughs> presentable. I did
1: notice that you were looking, like, very nice. That, I was like, thank you.
4: Oh. I actually, since I knew I was going to be taking pictures, I actually did what you're supposed to and washed my, the, the fuzz, making sure that the fuzz stood up so I got a clean cut earlier. And you since know. I'm facing you guys, you can't see my back head acne. It nasty. Listen,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Well, yeah. laughs> that is the joy like, of Zoom. Uh, is, I was going to say the that joy that...
2: of camera angles.
1: Yeah,
0: there's yeah. Body yeah.
1: acne is something we all get, and yeah. for those of you youngins out there thinking, "Once I get through my teenage years, the pimples will go away,"
0: no. I have
1: really <laughs> sad news for you.
0: <laughs> no, you just have more um, ways of dealing with them as an adult. Really, that's that's all it is.
1: Access to better. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm. I'm gonna tell a brief, brief story about camera facing that has nothing to do with acne, but just to bring it around to something that's less acne related, but is all about facing the camera and nobody knowing what's going on behind the behind your head. I did a one shot. Uh, this was this was like a month or two ago. I was very fortunate to play a, a streamed one shot of vampire with a couple of friends. It was, it's to this day still the only game of vampire I've ever played, and I played a human because. That's my lot in life, is to be the weird character in any D&D game. And if you're going to play a game of vampire, you, the weird character is the human. Uh, it was a it was a one-shot that was like a... I was playing with Dustin and Ellie, and it was a, a very emotional, very role-playing heavy kind of thing. I was playing a character who was a, a in her late 60s. And uh, this was right around Halloween. I remember now. It was right around Halloween because the one thing I was able to do, because I don't really cosplay, but uh, at least in this vampire game. It's ATL by night. It's Atlanta by night. They do a lot of of dressing up and doing cosplay kinds of stuff and I'm like, well, I I can't do all that. But fortunately, I'm playing a human and it's right here around Halloween. I can go get the stuff that you spray in your hair to make your hair look gray. I remember So seeing I just wore a nice shirt because she was a she was a a doctor she was a research scientist and i sprayed my hair full of the gray stuff i got luke to help and the whole you know we we did what we could it actually looked pretty good like it came out okay on camera i even did the thing where you like get a little bit in your eyebrows even though you're supposed to you're not supposed to but whatever well the one thing neither i nor my husband did was the back of my head (laughs) So I was fi- I was 100% fine for the Zoom, like even turning to the left when it was time for me to roll or look at something. But then at the end, so we have this emotional game that we're playing, and then we're doing our cool off afterwards and making sure everybody is okay. And then I said, all right, I'm going to show you something really funny. And I backed my chair up and turned around so I could see the back of my head and instead of it just being this white gray. It was just black. <laughs> it was just like clear behind the curtain. So yeah. That is that is the magic of Zoom and or any uh, any of the the call software that you use is all that matters is boobs up and front facing <laughs> the rest of it nobody cares there's nothing to yeah Do- doesn't matter doesn't matter and you know for our listeners at home it's really just how we sound so we we could just be in pajamas for all you know
1: I'm currently wearing a shirt i bought in college that is a like a uh, long underwear style shirt with mooses all over it
0: <gasps> Moose. every
1: time i wear this and i like come out the ho- out of like well not out the house sorry like out of our bedroom and i like get dressed steven will go the moose is loose <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice
4: a friend sent me a picture of a goose on a moose and my reaction was surprisingly both of those uh most people don't think are dangerous but both are actually very dangerous yeah.
0: oh yeah oh, especially if it's geese Canadian
1: I've been told that all of Canada's all of Canada's anger and meanness exists inside Canada geese which is I'm not, the one who
0: told you that
1: yeah <laughs> that's like, my philosophy <laughs> that is I mean, you actually are not the only person I've had Canadians tell me this and like oh yes they'll be like all of the things that are horrible about us live in our geese and I'm like mm. Okay.
0: Yep. yep. Canadians have made an eldritch pact with their geese, <laughs> and they just suck all of the anger and nastiness out oh, of, of Canadian people. It's like, it- a,
4: it's like a full metal alchemist situation where they've created a race of homunculus geese that embody wrath.
1: Yes. That's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I'd say. Also, like, don't fuck with moose. They're not... You don't Lord. want...
2: Can I play a warlock with a goose patron in campaign two? <laughs> <laughs> I, can,
0: I, can I play a Canadian?
1: <laughs> I can make that happen.
0: I can make that happen. Play I can make movie. Queen Bay happen. I I can make the goose god happen. Absolutely. All right, we've no. got some questions. <laughs> <laughs> the matron of peace. We've got some questions from both social media and from our Patreon. Thank you to everybody who submitted a question. So let's let's ask some questions. Daniel wants to know, question for year-end drinks, will the five of you start a new campaign in 2021?
2: Uh, at some point, yes.
0: Probably, right?
2: Yeah. I've mean, got the campaign of fatherhood, but then also a campaign with y'all. <laughs>
1: yeah. i
3: doing second, I guess I'll start my second fatherhood campaign next year yeah, as well. Yeah. Fatherhood campaign, too. But, uh, but, you know, a campaign could be a couple. You know, we could do a couple of short four or five game stints. Who knows? Stay tuned.
0: Yeah, there's lots of options. Let me interrupt for a second. It, it's okay that everything the two of you just said goes out. Yeah, it's yeah, I've fine? been public oh, okay. about that. I'm, we're expecting
4: same. I saw the the, the what was it? For the Christmas ornament. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I just I've, I'm always trying to be careful but with the kids. Thank you for checking.
4: So.
3: Nah, it's fine. Yeah. Like I'm just I'm trying to be gender neutral with the kids' names, but like that I have kids is
2: okay. Okay. Now.
1: we might be dog parents. That's not nearly. It's not on the same level, but I'm gonna be scooping up a lot of. Poop. I was gonna
2: say we're both gonna be cleaning up poop.
1: We're both
3: cleaning up poop. With dogs is almost the opposite. Like you know, kids, you debate whether you want like anything like permanent for social media wise without there, depending on who who follows you and all that. Unless you have a private account. With dogs, dogs have their own Instagram account. That's just
0: a rule. Yeah, I think you're actually required when you get a pet now to post them several times a day on at least one to four social medias.
1: Oh, no, 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 It's no. just the rule. Like, all those likes are for me. I'm not getting a separate Instagram account for a pet to let <laughs> become more popular. Um, I will say when we uh, – everybody has different philosophies. We did foster a dog this fall. I've talked a little bit about it. Um, it was – really kind of key to us for understanding like how much space we had in our home versus how you know like what a 95 pound dog looks like that the foster shelter basically said hey this dog is 50 pounds and then we go to pick up the dog to foster and the dog is uh 95 pounds that's a very big difference as it turns out um, <laughs> but i was a little protective of posting because i find that everybody has an opinion about every fucking thing you do and there are people who feel very passionately, I think a lot of people that feel very passionately about the welfare of animals do so from a really, really, really good place. And um, it was really hard for us to make the decision that we couldn't turn fostering into adopting, uh, but I have a really horrible injury, and I can't pick i couldn't pick the dog up if he was hurt or attacked and we take this dog on like two hour walks so if we were far from home and he was in a bad way and i was alone or he like started running after something and pulled me over there'd be nothing i could do and that was like a shitty decision and when we first were like deciding like we kind of thought we would be forever fosters we were like you know we're gonna keep photos off social media because we don't want to sit here and be like people be like why did you keep this dog that you clearly love and it's like Yes, I, yeah, no, me, me and you both, why didn't I get to keep this dog that I clearly love? But we did also send the dog to, to the most wonderful, amazing, amazing people. And the other thing we thought about was the fact that this is not our dog. And I always feel weird about a, a creature that isn't officially ours and, like, posting pictures and, like, the privacy of the future owners. And so, like... Again, everybody gets to make their own decisions. If you are fostering a dog and you want to, like, plaster social media with that good, good dog as a way of being, like, you – this dog deserves a home and deserves to be adopted. Fostering is a great thing. It prepares dogs and they do better in their their forever homes. But, like, I was just, like, really, really worried about the privacy – of eventually just, like, what will be someone else's dog. And those are, that's, like, he's he's theirs to, to love on and post photos and share. And,
2: and yeah. at the end of the day, you made the decision that was best for the dog. You right. Know? Yep. And that makes you a foster success. Yep. That's right. Yep. 100%. What's funny is if we have Jasper in the crate, uh, our dog, when we're not home, he's perfectly fine. And if he's in the crate, like, when I'm recording, he will lose his shit. He will freak out, like, hey, you guys are home. Why am I still in the crate? However, my door to the office is closed. And we set up, I set up a camera once to see yeah. What does he do? He's literally sitting in his crate with the door open.
0: But you know what? Like, there is that difference. And, and animals feel it the same way that we do. You They're know, when you smart. have the choice. Yeah. yeah. You know, when it's my choice to go hang out in the crate, and I can leave the crate anytime I want to, that's way different than mom and dad just put me in the crate. Oh. So it's, uh,
2: it's the, like, he'll hear my chair, like, squeak a certain way and then it's like all I hear is pitter patter pitter patter and he'll like i know he's just waiting for me to come out the door and then i won't and he'll like pitter patter back
1: yeah <laughs>
0: all right <boy>.
2: oh yeah <laughs> but he knows that this is recording time
1: yeah. yeah way back in the day when i was uh in grad school i used and i was writing my thesis my my sister and her husband uh rescued a wonderful 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 pit bull named havoc and she's so people, like, so people-oriented. And so I would go to their house so she wouldn't have to be in the crate all day while she was, like, adjusting because they both had to go to work. So I wrote my thesis and Havoc sat with me and we, like, did all the, like, she she had been on her own, like, out caked in mud when they found her. So, like, oh. she was not really house-strained. So we house-strained her. But she learned very quickly the sound of, like, their cars coming in and out. So... My sister and her husband would go to work, and she, she they'd go out the door, and she'd start howling. And she'd be like, oh, dear, baby, I'm dying. Come back. Yeah. I need you. And the car would pull out of the driveway. And as soon as she couldn't hear the car anymore, she'd stop, and she'd look at me. and She'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're a toddler. You're a toddler.
3: Yep. <laughs> yep. They say that dogs have the intelligence of a three-year-old. And yep. uh, having seen both in action, yeah, I could see that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like everything, you know. It's like the, you put like a lead. you we put the the like the outdoor collar on her, and she'd be like, "Oh no!" And then we'd go attention, be like, "I'm on a walk. It's great." And I'm like,
0: "Yeah, dogs." Jill. And I have no transition to go back to your question. Sorry, but I will. No, no, no. It's fun. It's fun. I I love that. Any that we can transition can to dogs. Up. So the question was, will we start a new campaign? My goal is as long as everybody's having fun with what we're doing to keep going. That being said, yeah, we're getting towards the end of this campaign. Uh, Y'all are pretty high level. There's not much more before the, the high level stuff happens. And conceivably at least before the end of the year, we will get to the end of this campaign. Depending on how much the mainlining of the story happens, it could happen sooner. And then yeah, our our plan is we'll the campaign will come to an end. We'll take a little break and do some interstitial funness. We'll do some one shots, we'll uh, play some other games, we'll, you know, do some 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 other things kind of as a as a little bit of a break and then we'll do a a session zero and I'll in that break time find out kind of what everybody wants to do next and what they liked about well you know what we've been playing for a very long time now and I think we've we've all learned and I've definitely learned a lot about being a DM and I'm excited about campaign two because I feel like a lot of the mistakes I made in the first campaign I won't make and a lot of the things that you know we're, we're all seasoned dnd players now so i think questions that i will be able to ask that i didn't know to ask that you might not have had the answers for when we first started now i can ask and you will have answers and i will be able to craft an even more personalized story that you all find even more engaging but i'm not gonna rush it because as long-
2: sign me up <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and and we will continue to play until uh someone or someone's say I'm ready to not anymore and then we will move on. So as long as as the thumbs up continues and I still have a a story to tell and you all still have things that you want to do in this campaign we'll go. But realistically, yes, sometime before the end of 2021, the heralds of greenest will retire and we will go on to do something else. Speaking of going on or to do something die. else. Sorry. <laughs> you know what that is always possible although once again you're, y'all are at a level and where been there death done might... that.
3: I've already died
0: you haven't died died you were nearly dead no no, no I was... was straight up dead I was, I was dead making a reference. <laughs> yes nearly most sincerely dead you dead. have died more than Carlton <laughs> that's true
1: I know you actually yeah
2: Carlton and death are just like good acquaintances like we say hi to each other in passing like the casual work acquaintance you, you got invited to dinner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, you guys all got, got invited to, to breakfast. What are you talking about? That's right. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, that's true.
0: So we got uh, some more questions that came in through Twitter distilled. Quasar wants to know, considering all of the absolutely fantastic moments from the campaign in the last year, what are your personal favorite moments? And while you kind of mull that over, I'll remind our listeners at home because I had to be reminded. And also it was helpful. I went to look what was the first episode of 2020. What was happening? The first episode of 2020 came out January 5th, 2020 it's episode 195, it's called Magi Medical, and it is the Heralds of Greenness negotiate with an unknown fiend for control over the amulet bound to the devil, which means this is when y'all were in the mine, in the, the town outside of the mines, uh, and specifically negotiating with the Yugoloth, who wants the amulet that can control the devil that, is, that was bound to Travancore, which is not that long ago in game terms, but was a year ago. Uh, So with that reminder of all the things that have happened since, does anybody have a favorite moment from the last year? I know it's hard to pick. Uh,
2: Carlton's free-range zucchini, it's 100% vegan. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty damn good. I mean, it's it's new, but when you told me how much zucchini I actually had, it broke me.
1: (laughs) The moment you were talking about bushels of zucchini, I was just like...
3: Wow, that's a lot. Oh <laughs> the zucchini arc. Gotta love the zucchini, zucchini arc.
0: Zucchini. We're still in it, too. <laughs> We're still in <laughs> it.
3: You need all four of those H's to count out all those zucchini. I mean, it's gonna sound self-serving. It's a tie between, um, you know, the actual moment where the amulets dissemble. I think, like, that, like, going down and actually having it done once all the combat's was out of the way, that was almost done perfectly. The, the lead-up to it was really good, too. But I also really like the opera episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, that mm-hmm. was so cool getting us all dressed up. Like, Carlton, I think, was in the was it billy what's his name oh, billy? That, billy, porter. billy porter yeah uh, billy porter dress yeah yes. and just the whole arc of that even with his soul on the line traveling Decor finds time to snooze with like
0: hop, 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 hop. that was a good that was a lot of fun lauren made us a whole opera
1: i i i don't know like i kept thinking like that's a whole like that's a whole little opera that you made us
0: you wanted to go to the opera. So, Amazing. I mean, I liberally stole from from operas that I happen to know. I happen to be familiar with a couple of them. So, how about you, Jonathan?
4: Well, I'd have to pick uh, be- between casting Darkstar and and introducing Dunamancy to the campaign. I thought was very cool. At just not only as a Critical Role fan, but also a physicist. Uh, not I didn't quite make it to be a physicist. But but anyway, someone with an appreciation for that stuff. Uh, that was really cool. But I got to give it to you for the revelation of Abex being on the Isle of Dread. Uh, just that, because I thought it was going to be someone else. And when it turned out to be Abex, I'm like, ooh. Because with Jonathan the Muscular, we've been exploring his psyche and his... Freudian tendencies. So <laughs> we finally met the source of all that and she's turned out to be wonderful. She, she, and, and I think also dealing with the sort of real life emotions of having an, a notion of someone in your mind, but that's not actually that person. They are an entire whole person of their own and mm. without direct interaction with that person, uh you know either being acquaintances or if you're lucky being friends with that person you really don't know them so getting to work that out with all the other stuff that was happening out in the world i thought was not only very very fun in the story but also a timely reminder for for people and for people dealing with like all of us a lot of a lot of issues
0: most of my favorite moments from this year were moments in where either, you know, a couple or all of you were all talking amongst each other. I'm uh, most recently the the conversation that uh, Jonathan and Bernie were having about gravity and the uh, the moon and being on different planes, um, listening to to Travancore and Carlton talk about magic, uh, that kind of stuff. One of the moments that though that was story related. Most of my favorite moments are either those interactions between characters, or when I see one of you get either excited, surprised, or terrified by something, which also sounds self-serving, but like, knowing that something happened that was a reaction, and the conversation that y'all had with Thunderbrack that revealed a few things about what he was after and possible complications... All of you had revelatory moments in that conversation, either about what was going on, about Travancore reading into the psyche of this creature very accurately, Bernie coming up with kind of a a brilliant plan, like on the fly, Carlton wanting to get on a boat and be a pirate, and then Jonathan having that moment when Thantra cast sending and talked to someone and watching your face was was kind of a joy. So this year that might be my favorite was was the that was brilliantly done by all of you for a bunch of different reasons and that that's probably my favorite. And then also zucchini.
1: I just like negotiating with a dragon. That was good
0: you were excellent at it too like you it was brilliant
1: i think it also like my dad bought me this a really great book by a guy who um used to work as a hostage negotiator for the fbi and like i was in the middle of reading that book when we were doing this and i was like i'm never gonna negotiate anything i'm not gonna become a
0: hostage negotiator and you were like you got to talk to thawndra back and i was like This is my chance. (laughs) If that's not peak D and D right there, like I am never going to get the chance to insert whatever, except I'm playing D and D, and now my character has the chance to insert whatever. Like that's why we. One of the main reasons we play, right? Yeah, that
1: was that was. I was just like you gave me the opportunity to live out this really dumb fantasy.
0: All right, Uh, the bunny monster wants to know. What's been the hardest recording session you had this year? What has been your favorite moment of the year? So we already kind of talked about our favorite moment of the year, but she wants to know what's the hardest recording session we had this year. I don't know if this means like hardest to just schedule or hardest game to play. For me, the hardest was just immediately after we went into quarantine, after we'd gotten a chance to see each other and like that slow realization of like, oh, shit, all the plans that we had to get together for this convention or that convention or do this or get together for RTX are just going down the drain. Like that, that was hard. That was like a couple of, there were a couple of recordings in there that were bittersweet. They were like, I'm so glad to be hanging out with you, but also I'm supposed to be seeing you in a week or two and I'm not. So those were hard.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely when we first went in again. Yeah, like just to reiterate, it's. Been a tough year, uh, yeah. and I'm grateful I get to hang out with you all every week. But we didn't get to see each other as much as we normally do, and that's you know it sucks. But we will one yeah. day.
0: Yeah, I think's coming.
1: Usually, I was thinking about this when you're like favorite moments. A lot of my favorite moments of the year are at recordings we do together. Mm. Like I, I think just because we're together, and I, I, I. I um, hope we have a great chemistry playing separated by hundreds and thousands of miles. But like, I I always feel so hype when I'm playing with you guys. It's like, so my favorite, favorite moments are just like ridiculous, silly shit we do because we're all together and we're just so excited. I think emotionally, there've been a lot of recordings where it's like, a lot of us are like, yeah, like my character's really angry, but I'm just also really angry, and this is the only time I can yell or, like, like I'm not, you're not gonna physically fight anything. So, like, yeah. I don't want to be like they've all been hard because that's not true. This has often been like the good thing, the 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 light in the week that is in the midst of really hard shit. But like, in a way, it has been. Every, everything's been hard for everyone like so yeah there's always been a little extra tinge to some things i think sometimes
3: yeah i think prior to this year everything in my life was fairly compartmentalized there was there was church jack and there was dungeon junks jack and there was online jack and there was family jack right and this year was the year where the chocolate got in my peanut butter and everything kind of merged together. Work and home spaces are all the same thing. The way I've been interacting with you guys for the past five years most recently, but before that for years with the other people from, from the site, that has now become the model for me reaching out to everyone else. Like this has informed my ability to cope. I think I'm actually better at coping with this because I've been doing this for years with people that I care about. And it's probably more jarring for somebody who hasn't been connecting with people like in real time. But for me, the vast majority of my social circle doesn't live near me. So as far as this being hard, the game isn't hard. The, everything outside of the game has gotten harder than anything. The game has made me better at everything else outside for that reason.
0: I totally get that. I mean, my job with d d Beyond has been remote the whole time. I have definitely used what I've learned from us playing remotely for years in order to help with that. And then to suddenly be in a position where I am the expert in the company at remote d d play, you know, because of just the lengths that I've done it, you know, it's not like we didn't have, we had live streams that were, you know, a bunch of us playing heads in boxes kinds of stuff. So it's not like I was the only person who knew anything about this, but all of a sudden, you know, the, the, what are all of the options, the, what are all of the ways of doing this? Yes. I, I became the person cause it's like, Oh yeah, Lauren's been doing this for years. So there's mixed emotions there. There's like, well, this sucks, but also I feel lucky that I'm able to help and I'm gratified that I'm able to help. And, but also this sucks. So another question.
4: I can't really remember specifics, but I know there were a lot of recordings where I came in, uh, just frustrated with work, just frustrated in general and, uh, playing with you guys helped a lot. I'm really thankful that I actually can't remember any, anyone specifics. I remember kind of feelings like, like, feeling very pointed at the beginning of a session, but then loosening up and, and and being me, so.
1: I don't know. We we always chat for, like, a while before these. And there's been days where i come on and be like, I fucking hate everything. Let's play. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, <laughs> I think we all have those moments where it's just, like, it's really fucking sucked and need yeah. to literally be someone else for a while.
0: And, and. I know I personally, there's even been those days where I'm like, hey, gang, listen, I love you all, but I can't run a game for you today. You know, I think those hard days were the days where we didn't do it because I knew and it happened recently. Uh, It would have already come out now, but the episode where Shadow got fire powers. I kind of knew what was going to happen. Like, you know, I I don't think it's a spoiler to say that I'd been planning for some stuff for quite a while for Shadow. I was just kind of waiting for the right group of moments to happen. And so because of what happened in that fight and everything, I knew what was going to happen. And I wanted that to be this joyous special occasion. And the day we were supposed to record that episode, I had to cancel because it wasn't Things happened that day that put me in a state in that I knew I was not gonna be able to break out of fast enough in order to give you the game you deserved. And if there's one thing that is hard to learn as a DM, and, and you have all done this too as players, like Jonathan, you were talking about, you know, coming in feeling upset and then like the game helps ease that away. And I think we've all had that that lovely moment of the we're going to sit down and gripe a little bit and the game is going to help us get distracted and put us in a better mood. But we've all also had that that moment of the I can't even the joy of the game is going to be real life is going to be too much of a distraction. And I'm the worry of it bleeding over and not having a fun game was too great and so I appreciated those, those moments that I had this year where I had to say, I, I can't do it. And I, you deserve to have me want to be here. And right now I don't want to be anywhere. And it has nothing to do with anything except me. So I don't think there was... So those, that for me was probably the hardest moments because as much as like you intellectually know it's the right thing to do for everybody, especially as the DM... There is always that moment of I'm letting my friends down. So. You never let us down. Yeah, nope. you know.
4: Never- nope we we understand. Yeah.
0: I appreciate yeah. that. I mean, that's yeah.
2: like, it's a it's why we're all friends is because we are here for each other. And so you've done it for us. We've do it for you, and it's all yeah. love.
0: Yeah we've we've all done that for each other, and I appreciate it. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons and Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple livestreams in a single grand adventure. And it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, Sea Team, Silver and Steel, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on January 3rd at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. C-A-R-R-G-L-O-P-V-I-Z-Y So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got for your champions. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Carly Bean, what would each character do to keep busy if they had to quarantine oh, instead no. of adventure? She, uh, she wants me to pick an NPC to answer the question if I'd like. So, uh, if your if your characters had to quarantine for a little while. Let's let's not go for a year. Let's let's just say um, uh, 40 days, reco- the original quarantine. There you go. For- forty days of quarantine. What what are your characters doing during those forty days? I'll answer for Soria. Yeah. Okay. Okay, because I see all of you thinking. I see all of you thinking. You know, I've always wanted to learn how to play the hurdy-gurdy, and I've never had a chance to actually play the hurdy-gurdy, and I've always wanted to learn how to play one, and so if I could get my hands on a hurdy-gurdy and I actually have the time, and then I could not be around people for long enough that I could learn how to play the hurdy-gurdy without having them listen to me learning how to play, because if there's one thing that's really bad about learning how to play a new instrument, it's that everybody's got to listen to you when you're really bad at it, and once they listen to you being really bad at it, it doesn't matter how much better you get at it, it means that d- that's all they're going to ever hear, and so like 40 days of being able to practice on my own, and I get a little stir-crazy after a i'll probably be really bad and after those 40 days i really want to hug but i'd be really good at the hurdy-gurdy and then everybody close and be really good at the hurdy-gurdy it's amazing
1: I of someone who's whose sister learned how to play the french horn she was my sister's very good at all instruments she's ever picked up but she went from piccolo to french horn in the middle of high school and i know what it is like to be in the house with someone who's learning how to play the french horn Yep. Or I guess the mellophone cuz she was marching and the mellophone's marching french horn. But yeah. Yes. What is a
0: hurdy-gurdy? Oh, so a hurdy-gurdy, <laughs> it's a, a medieval stringed instrument. You'll probably have seen them only if you've uh, recently if you play Sea of Thieves or one of the one of the other pirate y type games. It's in the shape of, of, of a very large viola with what looks like an apparatus on the top. Uh, my suggestion is to also just Google Hurdy her, Gurdy. I put it. in the video
4: one of my oh. favorite Hurdy Gurdy songs ever.
0: Is it? Is it it's Patty Gurdy. It's, it's Patty Gurdy. It's, it's usually Patty Gurdy. So it's H U R D Y, Hurdy, space. G-U-R-D-Y, Gertie. It's got a crank. And so what you'll normally see is there's a crank on the butt. So if you picture like a little violin or a viola, a bigger, on the butt of it, there's a crank that you turn. And on the top, there's... It it looks like keys. It looks like a weaponized mandolin. It, you know, honestly, as a D&D instrument it's perfect because it looks like the kind of thing that Q would come up with to hide a like a crossbow in. <laughs> yeah, and so the
1: weaponized mandolin, you cannot tell me differently. <laughs> it is.
0: And so you you turn the crank and the crank turns a wheel that has a felt on it that, that, or not a felt, but kind of a felt that basically rubs up against the strings the same way a violin does, but it's a constant thing. And there's several strings. There's usually like a drone and then a couple of melody strings. And so you can play multiple notes at the same time. And on top of that, it's got a, I don't remember the, the correct name for it, but essentially it's got percussion and you can press in when you're rotating the crank and it it does a on it, and so you can basically have one person playing, and you'll hear multiple notes, plus a drone, plus there'll be this, like, percussion sound to it. And it's it's a dance instrument. It's a medieval dance instrument that also is the kind of thing that you'll hear in Sea of Thieves, because pirates. Up until now, I
3: always thought a hurdy-gurdy was a mini-accordion. Like, that's all I was pitching in my mind. I never bought a look at what it was before. I just thought, that's what a hurdy-gurdy is, and clearly I was wrong.
4: I mean, it's sort of related to an uh, uh, accordion, because it uses... A constant mechanical yeah. apparatus okay. uh, that that sort of like mimics something else. It's putting air through a oh yeah. Did you
0: buy yourself a hurdy gurdy? So it is a is not a real hurdy gurdy because I I've wanted hurdy gurdy for forever. So that's a bit of me and Soria. But no, a real hurdy gurdy is like a thousand bucks. But it's it's a build your own model kit essentially. From it is U-Gurdy. one of the uh, things on
1: on the Google search is hurdy gurdy kit
0: yes and it's it does actually play it's not amazing but it was like 60 bucks and it's i haven't put it together yet this is one of the things i'm going to do over quote-unquote break
1: that's amazing i'm really excited to see this i thought hurdy-gurdy was one of those nonsense words like
0: higgledy-piggledy <laughs> and wampus," because i'm no, pretty hey, sure hey nani so Nanny. Much... <laughs> and patty-gurdy Patty Gertie is, like Don said, amazing. So definitely, if you want to hear really good, hurdy-gurdy. she's
4: very interesting. She's a German woman uh, who learned how to speak English in Scotland. This
0: all uh, makes Scotland sense. Scotland
1: or
4: Ireland. And so when she speaks English, she definitely has an accent. But depending on what word she's saying, it's either a slightly German accent but mostly uh, an Irish accent. I th- no Scottish accent. I I think she she said she was like in uh,
0: Glasgow. All right. Well, that's Soria's answer to the "What do you do with your forty days of quarantine?" Who's next?
2: Welcome to Carlton's kitchen, where I learn how to make the things <laughs> I like to eat. He says to a, a herd of sheep.
0: <laughs> Carlton starts a podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> a cooking a cooking show. Which is basically what I did in quarantine myself I just enhanced my kitchen skills.
4: I feel like Jonathan the Magimuscular, if he was quarantined with the modrons, would emerge dangerously close to being a Borg because <laughs> he would have he would have allowed the modrons to modify him so he could play doom with them, doom and quake
3: oh no, transhumanism yeah he would
4: he would come out. And maybe you wouldn't notice. Maybe you, his eye would just flicker a weird color. That's strange. I don't know. Magic's weird. <laughs> uh, is that a port in the back of your head? Not nah, some mold. Don't worry about it. Wait, did your fingers just erupt into several smaller fingers in order to make arcane motions? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm just, I'm typing a response to, to trolls. Yes.
0: Are you attacking those trolls with fire? Because I hear that that's how that works. No, no. Yeah,
4: you should
0: <laughs> I like generation.,
4: uh, Speaking of spiders, I just watched uh, I've been watching Demon Slayer on Hulu uh, It's an anime that I didn't really know about Until I saw pictures of Jessica Negri Cosplaying as the boar-headed guy but she's Jessica Negri, she so <laughs> I mean,
1: she's... I, she's so weird in such a delightful she's, way. She's great.
4: Yes. But uh, yeah. I, I was like, what anime is this from? And then I saw a couple other characters like cosplayed by people we know. And when it showed up on Hulu, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, it, it's a really good series. They were fighting spider demons last uh-uh. couple of episodes. Uh-uh. Oh, uh-uh. it's bad. If you have arachnophobia, uh-uh. that, that's an arc you might want to skip. One dude's face is literally a spider face, and it's it. Yeah, it's bad. It's I love super bad. That shit so much. It's, it's super bad. I I was okay, but I like I'm watching this going. If I have any friends that have any sort of fear of spiders, all like this entire like six seven episode segment just needs to be like deleted from it. Like just just move on.
0: That is something else I learned very early on in my D&D career. Back Back in the fourth edition days, I ran an entire campaign for, for my home game. Months and months and months of us playing that we've been playing forever. And no one had ever told me that they had any kind of, of, of issues. This was before session zeros were, were really a thing. So it was just mostly, you know, you become friends with people and you learn what their issues are. Or at least... I, I think if you're a good person, you do. Literally, like one of the last sessions we had, I threw some spiders, some giant spiders at them. And not even like creepy, weird phase spiders or anything. Like, they're just giant spiders. They were literally a warm up to the final fight. They were not meant to be anything, they, they were mostly atmosphere. And as soon as the first one appeared, my entire crew was like, nope! They had like table flipped, nope, all for different reasons. I'm like, okay no 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 are, are we is this play acting or y'all uh, nope nope and i had to i had to backtrack a whole encounter because everyone was just noped out of giant spiders so you know you'll learn uh what's what's bernie doing for her 40 days of quarantine
1: so i think it depends if it's um it's a situation like we have now bernie's an essential worker so <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's, let's say this is the kind of let's say this is the kind of quarantine in where you've You've gotten sick from something, and so now you are quarantining for your safety and everybody else's. This you're is... on a boat
1: in Italy, and someone has smallpox, so you're in that little barracks for 40 days until you either all
0: die or come out fine. But we know you're—we know you're going to come out <laughs> fine. So um,
1: I was thinking about this because I was trying to think um, what would Bernie do, and I think she would get really into subscription teas. And I think, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think here's what would happen. I think. I think you would comment your house. <laughs> and you, if, like, if it, if Bernie was, uh, like, if there's there's two things. Like, if Bernie is, like, a modern person, she has a YouTube channel now where she really, really seriously reviews teas, like that wonderful British man that teaches you all the different things you need to know about coffee. She's that, but tea. And, and Carlton, who has not figured out how to use YouTube yet, is constantly in the background, because I imagine they get stuck quarantining together. Because it's something that she would both really enjoy, but also every now and then would be a personal hell. And I think that's important to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And so Carlton would be in the background talking to not the camera, but his voice would carry. And so it'd be <laughs> so her channel would do really well because she would be very seriously trying to review tea. And Carlton would just be in the background, like, fucking it all up. But, in the kitchen, like, ah, fuck, shit! Yeah, it would just be that all the time. And she'd be like, okay, so we need to talk about water temperature and weight. Like, it would be that. It would be, like, the most serious you've ever seen. Bernie, who is a character who I always thought should never take anything very seriously. But if it is Bernie in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, she's decided to learn to become a necromancer, and she comes out of court. <laughs>
3: Oh, no. oh, oh
4: With some no. brand
1: new skills, because I think she'd want to challenge herself, and I think if you left her alone in quarantine, it'd get a bit dark, and there'd be a couple of midnight
0: pet cemetery moments. <laughs> oh, oh, <God>. oh,
4: dear.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Jonathan, you go to look for that book that you're not supposed to have, and it's not there anymore. The one and that 40 you gave later...
1: for safekeeping, because she's the most moral of you all. <laughs>
0: And, and then the next thing you know, she's got a pet skeleton. Ooh. It would be
1: good. It would be like joyful necromancy. Bernie skeleton be like, cat. Or a Barney cat skeleton. Bernie would be like, look, this is Zen my... in the
0: art of necromancy?
1: Yeah, Zen in the art And She wouldn't be bringing back, like, she's, she's just like... Because if you think about it, she is the other side of the necromantic coin. Like, she's...
0: Well, okay, I I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole, but because I know Travancore still has to answer this question, I I will not forget. But I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole with you because Bernie. So on the one hand, you already know necromantic spells. Yeah. Oh, Raise dead is necromancy. Yeah. Like, when you bring people back from the dead, that is technically necromancy. However, and this might not be a thing that we've talked about too much, except for the episode in where Travancore was killed by the Uglath power word kill. All oh, right. You were killed by Powered Kill. I don't remember if it was in the episode or not, but I remember talking about it because that's a ninth level spell, which is hard, hardcore. And I talked about how I had actually replaced Finger of Death with that spell because yeah. the difference between the two is that Finger of Death, if you fail it, you immediately, your, your corpse is turned into a zombie. Whereas Powered Kill, you just die. Now, if you just die, that sucks, but there are things that clerics can do many things fix that however if your body is turned into a zombie that is a different creature type and you cannot cast raise dead on a zombie and so when you cast finger of death on someone and it works you've not only killed them but you've prevented them from being returned to life by anything short of a wish spell So, Bernie, are you still coming out of 40 days of quarantine as a necromancer? I think it would be,
1: like, jolly necromancy. Like, I think at some point she does chase Carlton around with a knife because she feels like she's gotten really good. And she's like, just, just let me, just let me, just let me, look, you'll be dead for all of, like, 45 seconds. And if I can't It'll and it's fine. that scene where Carlton just has his
2: hand on her forehead and she's like swinging at him wildly but can't reach. She's
1: like, oh, I don't geez. want to sully Kevin with this. And she's just got like a butcher knife <laughs> because they've made a lot of money on their YouTube channel and she's got lots <laughs> of diamonds now. So what she, well, how it starts is she just feels like she'd like to get really consistent. <laughs> <raising> I'm Bernie's
2: Bird- <laughs> <I'm Birdies> monster. <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: So she's like, just like, we're just gonna do what we did. We're just gonna do what we did for Travancore and it's gonna work out just, just Come
0: back. Here's the thing Carlton trusts Bernie, so. Yeah. All right. well, this then ties back, Travancore, what are you doing for your 40 days? I think it's going to depend on what the rules are.
3: In theory, Travancore is a good enough naturalist that he can survive out in the forest or anywhere and probably do a pretty good job avoiding people. If uh, if Shadows with it, it probably blow- goes into some sort of full my side of the mountain like fantasy where Travancore is this lost boy and he really leans into it. Maybe he makes Keep like a house and like little tree. sword out of wood. Builds a, you know, starts, starts talking to animals like a Disney princess because he's technically a prince if he has to stay inside I would say he probably catches up on some druid things does some drawing works on all the unusual skills that he has for some reason because of good like performance checks Travancore can draw Travancore can cook find you a guy like Travancore, but I think what yeah. he, if you had a lot of time he'd probably buy a foosball table and teach Shadow how to play foosball oh <gasps> Aww. All right, that's
0: canon. <laughs> yep, yep. You're teaching Shadow how to play foosball. I love it. I love it. Okay. Al's Wrights wants to know, what would your character's ideal picture of retirement be? I've also been told to pick an NPC for this, but I'll let you, all you go first. So, so we've talked about being quarantined. We've talked about other th- stuff, but say, you know, you all get to level 20 and it's, you know, it's time for you to settle down and retire from the adventuring life. What does that look like
4: for all of you? I think for Jonathan, obviously we have the, we don't know how the Isle of Dread is going to work out. So he may not get a future after this, but I think part of his, his retirement is split between being an adjudicator for the transfer of instruments between Waterdeep and Thauntor of Rack, just kind of being there, making sure to keep the peace. But in his off time, uh, I think he's gonna return to Greenest. Gonna see about a tiefling.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, Carlton's already got his retirement plan in action. You know, he, we invested in a small town tavern that is currently being run by my family. There you go. Just waiting for that old adventurer to hang up his sword on the mantle.
0: The new yawning portal.
2: Yeah, I'll dig a hole in the, in the bottom of it and just throw stupid uh, or green adventurers down it. Yeah, it's a gold. Push.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Travancore, how about you? What's retirement?
3: Oh uh, well, I mean, the obvious potential answer is to go back home to to Praconum, to take everything he's learned on his adventures and uh, teach it to his people. But then after that, ostensibly, at some point, eventually, he would have to be king, unless he's able to get the democracy to stick. In which case, once Travancore either orchestrates a coup against himself and gets himself deposed as king. <laughs> he might have asked for Bernie's help to be like a Che Guevara type who rails be- the people against the unfairness of democracy. <laughs> and then Travancore quietly retires to the Isle of Dread, to that, uh, that Driftwood village, and actually does his retire. That becomes his Elba, and he just sort of stays Aww. there because he thinks of it as, like, you know, close enough to home, but also, like, being a tight-knit community is something where he doesn't have to feel the pressures of-, of being a king, potentially.
0: I also like the idea of running a coup against yourself. <laughs> bernie how about you i fucking guess
1: bernie's gonna orchestrate a coup in her <laughs> retirement
0: <laughs>
1: bernie did make a promise we've we've talked about the aging difference i think yep. um i feel like bernie would go with Travancore because she told him she would and um then i think that being done because i don't think that's retirement i think that
0: it is you're right that that's not retirement though that is that is the things that you were doing just before you retired that's the yeah. this is the one last job before retirement. yeah
1: i think i think honestly she would uh she would she would she go back uh to Neverwinter, and she'd run she'd uh run the temple with cleo the mm. two of them together like it used to be she A doesn't really hold have- biddies yeah, I mean like I admittedly I have some very best friends in my life that long before, you know, we met our 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 significant others, we joked about, you know, buying houses next to each other in our old age and living as, you know, old ladies, just like our old little lady old ladies cul de sac we'd all buy houses and I also think she, um She'd be pretty aware of how much time she would have with with Carlton and Jonathan, so I think she would try to persuade Travancore to wait until uh, until after they had gone. I don't think she'd want to go go across the ocean if she thought that um, she wouldn't be able to come back and see them again.
0: Aw, is there a specific NPC you would like to hear the retirement plans for? Oh my gosh, Tim, I mean, kind of.
2: Or, no, uh, Dorveen.
0: Dorveen. I want to know what Dorveen
1: wants. To...
4: I- I'd rather hear it from... <laughs> Thontorvrak.
1: No, that's too... Not, because we're gonna kill him. No, no. <laughs> I did not read an entire book by a retired FBI agent for us to kill Thontorvrak.
2: Bernie didn't, or Bernie did. Carlton didn't read that book. <laughs> Carlton read Sorgoth
0: I'm gonna plead the fifth on Thontorvrak. For uh, Because I would hate for him to lie to our our audience. We could do Dorvine. We could do it. Would would you like to hear Tim? Yeah. Yes. Tim. So I'm going to make Junior a lieutenant one day. and, And then I think when I retire from that, I want to go to acting. Like I retire and find like a nice little place to be. Maybe, you know, someone to be with. And then... Yeah, I want to be an actor. I want to live out the rest of my life on the stage. Oh, Tim! All right, next question. All right, so the Bunny Monster is back for a question for me. Uh, is there something that Lauren finally got to reveal this year after want- waiting, leaving hints for such a long, long time? And I will, I will ask in a different way. Was there anything that happened this year that you wanted to know? more about because there's been a couple of things that happened that I was waiting on I mean specifically with Travancore's history with with the the amulet although some of that technically was last year so but was there any any big reveals that y'all were wanted to know more about
1: I really enjoyed the like introduction of I know a guy
0: Mm mm-hmm that's been nice yeah
1: yeah like that is such a like if we're starting to think about like games ahead i was like there's things i've been just thinking about like playstyles and how much i enjoyed that but i just loved professor wood and the cre what felt like you know like almost like i don't know if lauren like had her i don't know how much of it was jonathan i don't know how much of it was Lauren, but just the like i know a guy and then professor wood is here and it's just like such a great character and just so like i i i have what i've always enjoyed about jonathan's character is he does a very good job of being very confident and assured and then just totally fucking flustered at the exact (laughs) moment and it's consistent i think there's like i think you know again we've talked a lot about how in DD that like it's you have a tendency to play to a fantasy like i've talked about you know like there are many ways that dungeons and dragons is a power fantasy and it's ways we don't think about it like we get to be a confident in situations we could have power in situations we wouldn't normally have but I like that Jonathan is good at being like my character is confident but also then there's these consistent times perhaps around people he wants to really impress and, pr- and the fact it's like he's an incredibly powerful incredibly impressive person and he still nails it every time with people that he's just like oh oh god <laughs> and, and <laughs> Professor Wood was such a lovely like we do such a good job at looking into his past <laughs> And I just loved, it was a question I didn't know I needed an answer to. Like, she was both the question and the answer. And it was just a really delightful backstory. And like, like, I don't know, I just loved it so much. And it just was like, poof.
4: Can I read something real
0: quick? Yeah, sure.
4: Okay, so when Lauren and I had worked on JMM's backstory a bit, and she had asked, hey, why don't you put together a list of professors. So I, being a good manager, delegated that to my friends. And they came up with a big, I I came up with a few, but they came up with uh, quite a few. Uh, So let me read this. Professor Holly Wood, tiefling enchanter, major drama queen, extremely flamboyant and confident, a fourth-year instructor, Professor Wood talked Jonathan to explore the more showy sides of his magic. She encouraged JMM to practice, embrace his persona, and be larger than life. From Izzy. Good
1: yep. job, Izzy. That Professor Wood was wonderful. What a beautiful collaborative creation.
4: Yeah, I, I think even though, it, you know, the, that was the origin... She came to life because Lauren gave her life. Like Lauren's performance as Professor Wood was incredible. It was perfect. It was absolutely spot on with, I think, what everyone had envisioned for that character.
0: Yes. Well, well thank you. I, I have been very happy to be able to introduce the I know a person because I do think that that's been a lot of fun. I, I feel like... We we did it a bunch at first, and then we haven't done it in a little while, and that, like it comes in fits and spurts. Um, but I definitely I like it pretty much every single single time it happens. I'm just I'm looking over the the question again about big reveals, and I'm like, was there any? I mean the the end of Travancore's story arc with the the amulet was a big one, but that was less of a reveal and more of just a day. Uh, it was a uh, finish.
4: We finally got there.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that was a
1: really, like, relief, like.
0: It didn't happen technically this year. It was a little bit into 2019, but it's close enough for Jazz, revealing some of Bernie's personal history. Yeah, like her name. Oh, yeah. Well, that was this year. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The poll name
1: was this year,
0: but like the start of that journey was technically 2019 because it would have been it would have been like December. But yeah, like having information about your character that I've been literally sitting on for years, waiting for the appropriate and the right moments to spring it on you, and then and then months and months before you actually met her when Carissa was mentioned. And I dropped the last name Kinaburro, which was, yeah. once again, 2019. And yeah. that's all that happened. And then I don't even know if any of you noticed, but I saw. I noticed. I <laughs> know you did, but I mean, I don't know if anyone else noticed your face when I said Kinaburo. Uh, And then there was several more months of nothing. And then you finally got a chance to meet her. And then when you came downstairs early specifically to talk to her and have that conversation, like. That was gratifying to watch play out. And I think it's been beautiful to watch Bernie and her new family reconcile that in a way that was honoring her choices without asking for information. Like several times just being like, hey, if you don't want to talk to us that's, or tell us about this, that's just fine, you know? But like, that was, that was a long time coming too. And there's still... Some stuff coming with Thundrafrak that I want to talk about.
2: I was gonna say the Thundrafrak sending was a, a pretty big drop. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a mic drop moment.
0: The Thundrafrak thing is, and it's still going on, so I don't want to say anything. But I will. I, what I will say is, I feel tiny, tiny, tiny bit proud because I will say Thontravrak and everything that's going on with him has been planned since the beginning. There's been things that he has been doing. There are choices that all of you have made directly and indirectly that have affected his plans. And there are, because while you're out in the world doing things, he's been out in the world doing things too. So that's all I'll say at this moment. But like that is that is one of the few things when I when we started playing and we're using like the skeleton of tyranny of dragons and I took that random blue dragon. I was just like, nah, no random blue dragon just shows up somewhere just to have some lightning fun and then is just gone. And so uh, his his modus operandi and his goals and everything that he's wanted have been building for years so oh man so this is something i thought about the last time we played it's
3: like you know meanwhile the four of us plus uh plus shadow and uh, bucks are off in another dimension while thontor is running around unchecked
0: rut row but I mean, it, how is that really different than the four of you running around in uh the spine of the world, or the four of you running around in uh you know wherever you were, like mile. You know. Exactly, like that's true. You've had your own agendas. He's had a
3: lot of opportunities, which like I should feel better, but I kind of feel worse now.
0: Listen. I I don't think you need to because there's only so much that y'all can do and there were a couple of cases where you went your separate ways and that was the end of things and that's fine and he went off and did his own thing. All right, one last question and then we're going to call it and I appreciate this as the final question because uh, you you know me, friend of the sh- all these have been friends of the show, but friend of the show uh, N. Scott G wants to know each member's favorite type of pie and I want to know your character's favorite type of pie. I mean it's apple for Travancore, right?
3: I mean, that seems to be the obvious one, but it has to be a specific kind of apple pie, right? Ooh, well. Insofa- yeah, insofar as, you know, the Netherlands do not exist in Theron, I would say the equivalent would be a Dutch apple pie. I think that would be Travancore's favorite of all the... Because he's trying to have t- chances. He lives in a big city. He has, he has no stranger to the various kinds of apple pies. But uh, actually, I am partial to a key lime myself. Like, if made properly, mm. a key lime pie is amazing. How
2: about the rest of you? Carlton would have to be the uh, blood pie from Greenest, from way back when.
0: Yeah, the the, the pie shop, the place that you went that just had pie.
2: Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite pies is a shepherd's pie, Mm. um, which is just not really a pie, but has pie in the name.
1: You
0: know what? It counts. Totally counts. Bernie, how about you?
1: Bernie clearly favors the Tarte au Citron uh, Mm. for obvious reasons, but she also likes just a straight-up good lemon bar. I... God, it's hard to pick a favorite pie. I really love chocolate pecan pie, though.
4: Mm. And Jonathan? Jonathan the Magimuscular, I feel like at some point in his journey, would take... He's had a lot of pies. He likes them all. He would travel to a magical land, and be introduced to something called a moon pie.
0: And that
4: would blow his mind, and he would... It would probably contribute, if he found it later in life, to uh, the true gut, uh, true not true, well, true gut, uh, but the true <laughs> grit uh, Jeff Bridges going, yep, I'm old and fat. <laughs> it would be.
0: That is the best Freudian slip ever of all time. <laughs> did you like the moon pies that you got
1: at my wedding?
4: They were I bomb. D- I didn't Those have don't... any. That Those will kill me. Bomb. But did you edu. get to have
1: one? Because they were supposed to be in the out-of-town guest they bags. They were.
4: Okay. But uh, I can't recall if our moon pies survived the trip. It's very (laughs) possible they didn't because moon pies are pretty fucking wonderful. And to to include them in the out of town pack was genius.
1: Do you have a favorite type of moon pie?
4: There are more than one type.
2: Oh, well, you got chocolate, you got pumpkin, you got. There's
1: so many. I'm sorry, what? Chocolate. They have vanilla moon pies. Everybody would think they'd suck. They're very, very good. Um, there's caramel, there's like a, there's salted caramel moon pies, there's banana moon pies. I think banana moon pies are sleeper really, really good and people have they very... They sound like it! You can order moon pies directly from Moon Pie.
0: This is my favorite moment of the campaign right here. I this ordered this moment moon watching pies Jonathan Realize more than one moon pie.
4: As soon as we have the coronavirus vaccine figured out, we need the diabetes drug cure. So it's not it's not exercise, it's not insulin, it's just, hey, this drug, boom, gone. Then I'm having a fucking banana moon
1: pie. Okay. You can have I them like any this one. I also just wanna say that I have a character in mind. Who his favorite pie is beet bop rebop rhubarb pie.
0: Beep bop bob rhubarb pie. Uh, is his name Garrison Keeler?
1: No, it's just who I want to one day play in a campaign. Loves beep bop rebop
0: rhubarb pie. Well, as for my favorite pie, the answer is yes. Thank you everyone for coming <laughs> to this uh, end-of-the-year Dungeon Drunks Drinks with the DM. Thank you so much for coming with us on this whole journey. If none of this audience was here, we would still play D&D, but having the audience here is lovely, and we can't thank you enough for listening, for supporting us, for coming along and listening to our shenanigans, and uh, we hope that next year, (laughs) which is kind of a gratifying thing to say, we hope that next year brings more D&D joy and also a lot more Mm. real-life joy and that the next time we are doing a, a Drinks with the DM year retrospective like this, that we're all in person, cheersing to all of you. So thank you so much, and thank you to Jay, J J and J, my, my, my four lovely Jays who come with me on this adventure every single week, and I love you all, and we'll see you next encounter. Bye. 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 Bye.